People are not going to hire you because of the firm you work for. They're going to hire you because of you. They're going to hire you because of your personality. That has nothing to do with the firm. That has to do with you. That has to do with your communication. That has to do with your style of communicating. Welcome to On The Real Estate, brought to you by Adcock Real Estate Services, a show for real estate agents at any level, buyers, sellers, or anyone interested in getting into this crazy industry. I'm Jason Gillikin, CEO of EarFluence, and on episode one, I'm interviewing the host of On The Real Estate, Kelly Dubois. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to introduce the listeners, the viewers to you. Uh, Thank for, you. For your own show I'm here. excited. So first of all, how did you get into real estate? How did I get into real estate? Um... Well, I was one of those people that never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I had kind of gone through a lot of different things. I grew up as a kid with parents that were in the restaurant business. So mm. entrepreneurs. Then my mom did real estate for a while. Really? And then um, I got into education. What did, did I mean? You were a teacher? Mm -hmm, and uh -huh. I did not like uh -huh. I don't belong there. Okay. <laughs> um, it was elementary. Uh -huh. So don't Whew. shout out to the teachers, um, patience of a saint. Yeah. For real. And then I went into, I worked at uh, Pinehurst Resort for a while. Mm. And that was a fun job. I really yeah. did enjoy that. I liked being, I'm a person that does not like to be confined. So I need to be moving. I got to go on the go. I like to talk. And so that was fun because we did events and we were constantly working with different people and putting things together. And mm -hmm. I like, I like the puzzle pieces of putting things together and taking them apart. Yeah. And then I got pregnant with my third child. Okay. And after, and that was around after, what time is this? What year? This was 2015 ish because uh -huh. he was born in 16. So I got pregnant with Luke. And then it was a lot of hours at the resort and different hours. And I yeah. was like, mm. if you're doing events, I mean, yeah. you're, you're out until 2 a.m. Yeah. yeah. Well, not that late, but sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I was just like, I didn't know if I really want to do that because I had. Again, Luke was number three, so we had two other kids, yeah. older kids that were in school. Then I started outweighing like daycare and what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm just going to take a year off. So I did the stay-at-home mom thing for mm -hmm. a little bit, and then I was losing my mind. And <laughs> again, shout out to the stay-at-home moms because that is hard, but I just yeah. needed to get out. Um, and financially, our family felt that, you know, not working, going to right. one. So I was like, hmm. Let me see what I can do. And I was one of those people that thought I could get my real estate license and I could make my own hours. Mm. But my mom had been telling me for years, because my mom had been a real, is a real estate agent in Florida, and she'd been saying forever, Kelly, get your real estate license. You'd yeah. be a great real estate agent. Do it, do it. And I never did, mainly because I was a single mom for so long. Yeah. And that's a really scary thing to only rely on a commission to get paid. Yeah. Is there a downside though in getting a real estate license? Like it, no, it costs a I guess bit of money, I should right? have done, I could have gotten my license. I yeah. mean, it's like $700 to get okay. a real estate license. It's 75. And, and this is North Carolina. I don't know other states. Right. It's 75 hours to do. And then you've got to take the class test and then the state and national test, which is very hard. So I got my real estate license in 17, mm. the end of 17. And then, um, Started my real estate career, then found so, out I was pregnant with my fourth. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> but that was okay. She didn't stop me. Nice. So you, you've got your license. What are you thinking at this point? Are you thinking of joining a firm? Like, how does that all work? 
I actually had been approached by the firm that I'm actually at at the huh. time. We were out, um, my husband and I with with friends, and he came over and had said to me, hey, are you thinking about getting a real estate license? And I said, actually, I am. And he's like, well, get your real estate license. Our firm will pay for you to get your real estate license, which oh, was, wow. I was like, and he's like, and then come work with us. So that's how that really all started. Huh. And I did like the idea of of it, but I guess if you get your real estate license and you're paying for it yourself, you do need to figure out where you want to hang your license. Sure. Since I had already known about the firm um, and it was, you know, they were offering to pay for my real estate license. I knew also at that point I was going to go work for them uh -huh. afterwards. Yeah. But that's a hard, a lot of people don't think about that. That's a big decision to decide who you want to hang your license with. Yeah. And that, that is one of the things I wanted to ask you is, is how, if you have a real estate license, how do you figure that out? Like, let's say you don't have amazing relationships in real estate already. You've got your license and you're like, okay, I'm kind of a free agent now. What, what do I do with it? Yeah. So we get agents that'll come in or we recruit agents, obviously. And I'll tell them whenever we're, they'll be like, oh, I have an interview because they're coming in to talk to the firm. But really, if you are a real estate agent or thinking about getting your real estate license, you shouldn't think about the firm interviewing you. You should now interview the firm. Huh. And that's very different to think about if you've come from a traditional job. But yeah. remember, as a real estate agent, you're a 1099 employee. Okay. You're all a W-9. All real estate agents oh. are. If if you're making the commission, you are just a subcontractor of that firm. Yeah. So you, you should think of yourselves as your own business, per se, and you're hanging your license under the umbrella of the firm. So here's the firm because yeah. you hang your license with it, but then you're under that umbrella. That's really important. The most successful real estate agents realize right away that they are going to be their own brands. So whatever firm you're you're talking to, see what they're going to do to support your name, yeah. your brand, your you know your business because it is your business. That, I mean, what what a great point. And I, I feel like this is another episode that we'll need to do is how do you build your own personal brand? Yeah, in, that's in real huge. estate, right? And maybe we'll get a branding expert on. Maybe I'll interview you again and, and figure out how to how to do this. Um, but let's say I get my real estate license, and am I able to just say, okay, I'm a real estate agent. I'm Jason Gillikin Realty. Do I need to come up with an LLC? Is it like if I'm my own brand, is it possible that I can just do my own thing? Eventually, not okay. right off the bat. So okay. to get your real estate license in North Carolina you are a provisional broker. And that means that oh. you have to do an additional 90 hours of classes to become a full broker. Got it. You have 18 months now to get those 90 hours. In the old days when I got my license, it was three years, which mm -hmm. was kind of nice. Um, but now, truthfully, most real estate firms don't want provisional brokers. Uh, they want a full broker to come to them. Even if you've never even done a transaction in your life, they're like, get rid of your PB status, which I will say... If you are a provisional broker or you're new at real estate, don't get rid of your provisional broker license immediately. This is your time to kind of have somebody help you and mentor you. You're going to get more guidance being a PB because you're under that broker in charge. Mm -hmm. So that broker in charge is going to want to 
help teach you a little bit more. Yeah. Well, not a little bit more, a lot more. They're going to be more hands-on with you because if a provisional broker gets in trouble with the commission or does something wrong and it's the broker in charge that's at fault. Oh, okay. And that's why a lot of uh, firms um, don't want provisional brokers because they don't want the broker in charge to be responsible for them. Yeah. But truthfully, a lot of firms will just kind of have all their PBs get rid of it immediately and then throw them to the wild. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard because you need that mentorship to grow and figure out what to do and how to navigate case by case with clients and deals and other agents. You know, not other agent, not all agents are going to look after you or help you the same way. Okay. Uh, This is great. I feel like there's going to be so many little nuggets of wisdom in this episode that we're going to be able to expand upon for further episodes yeah, and co- yeah. start coming up with topics. <laughs> it's here. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, real estate is like any commission deal, right? Or any commission job. It's cutthroat. Yeah. Because you, you view a lot of people as competition, but at mm. the end of the day, you should never view your competition on the other side of the deal. Cause you both have one common job to get to the closing table. Right. So whenever you have that, that newer agent help that new agent out so that you can make the deal happen. Yeah. All right, so let's get back to the the interview process. Yeah, you said the broker should be interviewing the agency. Yeah, right. absolutely. What, I mean, like for what? Like, what are some of the questions that? How are they going to help you grow? Uh-huh. Because you don't know anybody. Yeah. You don't know anything. Even if you do have a a huge, you know, rolodex of of people that you know, and you're a social butterfly, that's great. But every, I mean, let's use you for example, Jason. How many real estate agents do you? know either personally or associated with? I mean, probably five to 10. That's most people are yeah. about five. Yeah. So five to 10. So now how are you, as a real estate agent, if if everybody that you know of has five people roughly, and let's even, let's even give you a little bit more benefit and say they only know three people, three to five, mm-hmm. which is low, how are you going to stand out to where those people are going to hire you? Right. So how is that firm going to help you grow? What are they going to do to market you? What are they going to do to help you stand out? Are they going to invest in you? And when I say invest monetary wise, are they going to help you pay for flyers? Are they going to help you build a website? Or are they going to help you market your social media? Are they going to, you know, help you um, connect with other people in the industry, meaning lenders, attorneys, um, yeah. home inspectors, things like that. Are they going to introduce you to people? Are they going to help you grow or are they going to want to help keep you as one of their minions under their firm? Really? Wow. So the the brokers that are not, or the agencies that are not the best ones won't support nearly as much? Like, well, what, you what have to a, be a, careful yeah. with an agency that's more interested in their own name and brand versus building you. Oh, interesting. Because at the end of the day, if you become successful enough, which is everybody's goal, people are not going to hire you because of the firm you work for. Yeah. They're going to hire you because of you. They're going to hire you because of your personality. And the biggest thing when I say personality is, is that potential buyer or seller comfortable with you? Your personalities have to mesh. Mm-hmm. So again, that has nothing to do with the firm. That has to do with you. Yeah. That has to do with your communication. That has to do with your style of communicating. It has to do with your style of, you know, how you're going to handle the transaction, what you're going to say or do in the interviewing process. It, I think that's probably the biggest mistake that real estate agents make. They think that a firm's going to do specifically so much for them. But really, if you're going to be successful, 
you need to think of this right away as you are your own business. The firm is allowing you to hang your license, but they're going to profit from you. Mm -hmm. Every firm is profiting from their real estate agent. Mm -hmm. I might be a co-owner of my firm, but I'm as a business owner profiting from myself. I am the highest producing residential real estate agent in my own firm. And I go into my team meetings and tell them, what can we do to make you all outproduce me? Because if your numbers can become my numbers, I don't have to now sell real estate. I can work in the office every day and help support you. So what can I do to make my agents outproduce me? Because I don't want to be the highest producing agent in my firm anymore. Right. My goals changed. I want to build those agents under my umbrella. Yeah. And and now you are the managing partner, right? Of right. Adcock Real Estate Services. Yeah. So that's what you're saying. Okay. So you want to make sure that you're going to have a, a firm that wants you to grow because a lot of them are going to kind of pit each other against each other. Or if you are in a smaller boutique firm, they want the owners to continue being the highest producing. Hmm. You can't, can't do both. So you want to make yeah. sure that whoever you're with wants to see you grow. If that's what you want to do. There are a lot of real estate agents that use it as a part-time job. Yeah. Uh, second income, or they just want to do, you know, 10 transactions a year. Mm-hmm. If that's what you want, that's great also. But if you're somebody that's like, all right, I want to make six figures plus I want to do, you know, however many million dollars worth of sales, you know, that year, then then you're going to be having to look for a different perspective. Right. Okay. All right, let's go back to your journey. So 2017, you join Adcock Real Estate I Services. Did, yeah. And uh, fast forward to 2023, you're the managing partner. There must have been some pretty quick wins with, uh, or maybe not. <laughs> um, What do you mean wins? Well, I mean, did you hit the ground running in, in your sales? I did. I did. Um, that's kind of my personality. I'm used to sales because I, I always kind of joke around and say, I was just kind of born a hustler. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, I, I was used to sales, which is important. Yeah. I'm comfortable talking to people, which is important um, for a lot of real estate agents. That's really hard. Um, they have to teach themselves to become more comfortable in that. So mm-hmm. if you do have that natural kind of comfort to be able to talk to anybody in a room and introduce yourself, that right off the bat is going to be a heads up mm-hmm. um, because I've learned that that's actually a minority of people. The majority of people are a little bit more reserved and shy. Yeah. So that that right off the bat kind of gives you a heads up. Um, but my first year I did, I, I was just kind of like, all right, we we had a fourth child coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot we of were, pressure. Yeah, we were buying a new house. And Ooh, a lot of pressure. I was like, all right, we are going to do this. So I had 14 sales my first year. My goal was to do 12. I just wanted to kind of have say that I evened out to one a month and I had hit 14, but it was nonstop. Like when I was in labor with, with my fourth, I was writing a contract and the doctor's (laughs) like, you know, you're going to have a baby. I was like, I just need to get this sent. (laughs) I need to send this contract first. It's my fourth kid. She's fine. (laughs) Uh, That's when we spend one night in the hospital and you're like, I'm out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got to work. No, I got things to do, but but that was just, you know, my husband will joke around with that. He's like, she literally was in the hospital finishing up a contract. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so 2021, you were named Top Agent Magazine's Top North Carolina, North Carolina. Agent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
Congratulations. So I'm not the only one. They make it sound fancier than it is. Um, but there's don't, a, don't it's collective. Your, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a, it, it is, it is really neat to be, you know, part of North Carolina is one of North Carolina's, you know, leading agents. There's more than one, which is important to say. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of collab it on different, different journeys and their, you know, successes. And there is a minimum of amounts that you have to do for closings and stuff. And yeah. that, that's, it's hard to close. I, I think yeah. that's the hardest thing. And produce regularly. You right. can't let yourself get too comfortable being like, all right, I am a top producing agent for North Carolina. So now I'm going to take a couple months off because mm-hmm. unless you really want to take a couple months off and then work like you're just starting off in the industry again, that's the only time you do it. Cause somebody's well, waiting yeah. for you to take a step back. Well, you, you take two months off, you're going to lose what 18% mm-hmm. or so yeah. of, of your income. And the some, year. and there's another agent a hungry agent yeah. behind you that's watching you, following you. And those are good. You want those agents. Yeah. You know, I still have agents that I I look at and I'm like, oh, she's got that listing and I didn't. Or, <laughs> oh, they sold one more. That, you see your face you when you're driving by. You need that motivation. <laughs> you want to have, you know, them. And as a new agent, that's something right off the bat. Look around, like go on your realtor or Zillow, you know, yeah. and look in your the areas you want to work in see what agents kind of have the highest numbers or the most um, produ- or seem to produce the most. And and you follow them. You huh. let them become your, you know, your motivational little bit. Nemeses. Yeah. That's great. Um, so you mentioned real estate is super stressful, right? It's uh, okay. I, I said it was stressful. You, you said, <laughs> you said you've got to keep moving along. You, you've got to keep hustling. And that to me sounds like it can be stressful. So you know, from 2017 to now, has there been any F this moments where you're like, I think I, I don't know anymore. I think that happens once a day. Okay. <laughs> I think once a day you're like, why the hell do I do this? Like yeah. I'm losing my mind or it is stressful. I will give you that. I think, I think again, commission jobs are stressful. Mm-hmm. You don't get paid if you don't produce. Right. So you could have, you know, I think one of the best and worst things is all within five minutes of closing a transaction. You're at the closing table, you're closing, which means awesome. I'm going to get, I'm going to make money. It's another closing that's going to count as my production. Mm -hmm. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, shit, we just closed that one. Now on with the next, like what's going to be the next, because you always have to have something in the works. And when you don't have something in the works, that's when it starts getting, you start getting a little nervous. And I don't care how seasoned you are. I don't care if you sold, you know, $20 million worth of real estate last year. When you don't have something in the works or you're feeling that, it does become a little like, all right, yeah, what do I need to do next? What's my next, you know, chapter or goal or. And it's not for everybody, but Mm. it can be super rewarding. I'm sure. You have to have super thick skin. I will say that if you're really sensitive and wear your heart on the sleeve, no. Yeah. It's not a nine to five job. Like I joked right. around at the beginning and said, I thought that you could make your own hours. That's probably the most misleading or. Um, your clients make your hours. You work when your clients <laughs> work. Yeah. And if it, you know, we have in North Carolina right now, we are such a high, a state that has so much relocation from mm-hmm. other states. So in the last two years, the people from the West Coast relocating here has been huge. I've probably had 10 to 15 in the last, you know, two years. Well, 
West Coast time and East Coast time is not the same. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing yeah. phone calls sometimes at 10 or 11 o'clock at night because yeah. they're coming home from work. They they got their kids together. You know, they, they're finished. That's their time now. That's their normal time to catch up, mm -hmm. you know? So you are working and taking phone calls sometimes at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, or yep. you are doing phone calls for some people at seven or eight o'clock in the morning when they're doing their morning commute because they're not going to be able to talk to you during regular traditional business hours. There are no traditional business hours in real estate. Yeah. Just like people are like, oh, it's the weekend. Aren't you excited? No. For our new agents, <laughs> especially, your weekends are your busiest time. Yep. When you get a little bit more seasoned, you don't have to worry about working weekends as much. Yep. You can you can kind of refer it out or you can take time off or you can kind of – you can be a little bit more selective. But – for your first few years, yeah. you know, you're working. You got to hustle. Yeah. So you're now the managing partner at Adcock Real Estate Services. You manage how many agents? We have about 17 agents. Okay. So 17 agents. I'm sure you've seen some come and go. You've also seen others in the market doing their thing. What would you say the biggest mistakes that uh, agents are making? Like, what, what are those mistakes? I think the biggest mistake is agents don't want to do the training. They don't want to come into the office. Again, they're mm. thinking of it as right off the bat, they're going to get a client. Yeah. And that client's going to buy a house, just like house hunters. House hunters, HGTV, it's not that easy. But a lot of times, it's like it's like Pinterest, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> Pinterest lies to me every time. <laughs> they give me step-by-step step tutorials telling me I can make this cake or I can make this wreath or this craft. And I spend $5 million in supplies to do this. And then I finish and it looks, it's horrible and it's disappointing and it's defeating. House Hunters is just like that. Like you've got this, these couple and you show them three houses and they're pleasant. Like the clients are so pleasant and everybody's just ha 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 ha. There's no meltdowns right. or issues. Right. They're, they're already, they come to you pre-qualed and they can put all the money down and after three houses, poof, we've picked one and right. you're done. <laughs> right. And that's such a lie. I mean, I have shown houses. I think the most houses I've shown to one specific client, I think we hit about 72. Oh my gosh. We we put about 30 offers in and that was during, you know, the 21 yeah. insanity. But when you were in insane bidding wars and people were on a budget looking at houses and they didn't have a tremendous amount of money to put down you knew they were going to lose, but they want to put in an offer. Yeah. That's you, you it. Have to say yes. So you're working wow. really hard and it's not like that. So I think the hardest part is a lot of agents do think it's going to be that easy, including me. I thought that it was going to be much easier than uh, it was. I was like, Oh, why are we doing this again? Oh yeah. But I guess the thing to remember is you're working with, with people. And well, what kind of training are you providing? So real estate school kind of does not <laughs> Real estate school is like any school, right? Uh -huh. So I don't care if it's high school or college or real estate school. They're going and they're teaching you according to a book. Mm -hmm. And then you they give you this license or this degree. And then they say, go, little birdie, mm -hmm. go, go to your real job. And you go to your real job and you are a fish out of water and you don't know shit. It mm -hmm. does not matter how well you did. I don't care if you, you know, graduated, you know, with top of your class or you passed your real estate license the first time. It's nothing that it was, yeah. right? Because now you're working with humans yeah. and humans are all different and humans have different um, expectations and priorities. 
So you have to revamp to them. But people aside, the training, because I don't know if anything can train you how to work with people, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's kind of hard. But paperwork, it needs to be taught. And ironically, for all the things that they teach you in your 75-hour course of a real estate license, they don't really go over step-by-step -step for you how to write a contract. Really? No. I figure that would be like step one. I mean, maybe they do now, but in huh. 17, I did not see that. And I got, <laughs> we get new agents all the time that are like, no, and yeah. it's completely not right. So you should have classes. It sounds super silly, but this is how we're going to step-by-step go over this listing agreement, step-by-step -step how we're going to do an offer to purchase and not just how to fill it out, but how to explain it because yeah. it's your job. This is a legal contract. I'm not a t an attorney. However, yeah. I get to do legal contracts, right? But you need to explain them to your clients to make sure they know what they're signing, mm -hmm. you know? And that's really important. You can, might be able to fill it out, but can you explain it? Right. And that's what we want to do because right off the bat, we don't want you to look stupid. We don't want you to feel embarrassed. We don't want you to feel inadequate. So that training should be provided by your firm, right? From everything from talking about how to fill out this paperwork how to explain this paperwork, how to navigate and look at the different MLSs, mm. what are yeah. traditionally the different kinds of MLSs, like, you know, the triangle MLS, what what cities, what counties does it cover? Yeah. Longleaf Pines, who they cover, triad. Th those are things that you should be able to learn and, mm. and talk about. And, yeah. you know, going back to interviewing your firms, those are things that if you want to work a specific area, because that's what you're used to or you know, you want to make sure that that firm is under those specific MLSs. Got it. Okay. What are some other mistakes that you see agents making? Not negotiating for themselves. What does that mean? Well, I mean, in real estate, you get really good at negotiating. And if you don't do really well at negotiating, you're probably not going to be successful. Like with your agency or? So in general, you've, a real estate agent needs to negotiate. But yes, one of the first things is they don't negotiate for themselves. So if you're sitting down and I, I look back and I think about this, what have I negotiated with my first firm? No, probably not. I think I was just happy to feel comfortable, mm -hmm. which is important. You should feel comfortable with your firm. But a lot of agents that already have a clientele and a reputation and have that success. You know, they've already, they, they're already their umbrella of their own brand. Right. Mm -hmm. So negotiate what you want coming to a firm. Yeah. You know, you should be able to say, well, you know, I would like to see this or I want that. And I will like, say like in what? my like, firm, in my firm, we're, we're really transparent. Um, I, I kind of set up the residential part the way that I wished that it would have been set up whenever I first started real estate. Right. Yeah. So I try and I tried and set up our firm, the things that I thought were important to me as a residential agent. So our commission split is really, really transparent. Everybody's the same, which I think is also super important because you will, you will go to a lot of national firms, um, any national firm, and there are agents that are getting, nobody's getting the same. Mm. So so you got some agents that are making, you know, 90% or saying that they've got 100% and you've got some agents that are making 80% that are top producers, some agents that are making 70%. I don't like favoritism ever. Right. So, and I don't like pitting my agents up against each other and I think that's the fastest way to do it. Yeah. If if you find out that 
you know, you have similar numbers and one agent's making this and then you find out you're only making, you make this and then another agent's making that in your own firm, that's setting up for failure right off the bat to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a set commission split where you know exactly where you're going to start off. And if you want to grow to be, you know, ultimately to the highest commission split, you, you see where what you need to do to produce to get there. Right. Right. Right off the bat. Whereas a lot of firms don't put it out there like that. And if you don't know what your commission split's going to be immediately or how you're going to get to the next one, that's the most important thing because your commission is your money. That's how you're going to pay yourself. That's how you're going to um, be able to figure out how much money you can invest in yourself or how much the firm's going to invest. Yeah, I'll say right off the bat, a lot a lot of firms are doing 100%, 90% or 100% commission splits. 100%. 100%. And people I are like, <laughs> and it sounds so good. But the thing is, is they're doing 100%, but you're buying everything and they're providing you with nothing, yeah. right? So then, and then on top of that, you've got office fees. Mm-hmm. You have franchise fees. So you okay. are, those firms are making money. So don't ever think that a firm's not going to profit off of you. It, the firm has to profit off of you because sure. it's very expensive to run a firm Yeah, for all the, and you need, agents have to have their, their license under that umbrella, that firm license. So don't ever think that that firm loves you so much. They're not going to make any money off of you. Mm. A firm needs to see an agent as being profitable, but they also want to be able to be, that agent should also want to know that they're respected and they're important for that firm. Mm. Um, And if you don't feel that way, that's a problem because that firm can't survive without agents. Yeah. Okay. So that leads me to another question is how does an agent know when it's time to move on to another agency, another firm and what should they be? Should it just be about the commission number? No. Should it about, be about feeling respected? Should it be? I got rid of a top producing agent a couple of weeks ago because she was a bad vibe. I mean, it ruins the whole. So it's not about money. Yeah. It needs to be about what I had said previously. Does that firm respect you? Support you. Are they supporting you? Are they um, going to invest? Are they investing in you? Are they willing to invest in you more? You know, do you feel like they want you? Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's really important. Are they taking time for you? A lot of a lot of new agents or existing agents are like, well, I can't reach out to my broker in charge, you know, on weekends or after seven. You should have your broker in charge saying to you or an owner of the firm, I'm available when you need me. Yeah. You know, and I get it. Like we have a broker in charge that is separate, not an owner. And she is great and she is available, but we also respect her time. And if she's going on vacation or doing something, don't bother her. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, just sometimes personalities, again, mesh differently. So there might be certain agents that mesh better with our broker in charge. Other agents might mesh better with me or feel more comfortable with me. I don't care. If you feel like you need help and you have a question, you you can reach out. You're going to get a response. You're going to... And if you can't get that from your firm, that's huge, especially as a new agent. Yeah, this is great advice. So it's not about money because truthfully, new agents cost money. They're timely. Um, it take, They take a lot of extra time to train. They, they are a liability. Mm-hmm. New agents are liabilities. You have to check all their work. You know, for pres- 
our requirement in our firm, if you're a provisional broker, you cannot do a contract on your own until you finish doing six with either myself or our broker in charge. Because we want, and don't say, don't think I'm doing it for you or I'm going to sit next to you and do it. I'm going to say, you do this and then send it over to me. And then I'm going to look, look over it, review it. And then I'm going to send it back to you with any changes that may need to be done. But that costs, that's time, right? And that, that, but I'm, what I'm trying to do is make sure one, that that provisional broker does not go to real estate jail. And two, they don't get embarrassed. We don't want you to be embarrassed right off the bat. I'm going to, and we want to build them up to where they have the confidence to be like, all right, I know what I'm doing now. I'm really good at this. Yeah. So new agents, I think as long as you feel like somebody's giving you time to teach you, they're investing in you. You're an investment. Yeah. And you're worth that investment. Yeah. And and I wonder if it makes sense to call other agents in that firm and just ask, like, is this is this firm supporting you? That's a good idea. I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Reach out to the other agents. I invite new agents, you know, if they're on the cusp and they're not sure what they want to do, new or existing agents. It's harder with existing agents. Because everybody kind of knows and they don't want, uh-huh. you know, you don't want a lot it's of attention. <laughs> yeah, it's cutthroat. And you don't want that agent. Like if a new age, if an experienced agent or a high producing agent is thinking of leaving, they don't want their other firm to know yet. Right. Right. Because um, there's, it's, it's money. Yeah. So as a new agent, though, I will invite newer agents to come to our team meetings or to come to an event that we're doing and just kind of feel the vibe. Right. Because I think a vibe is important. Definitely. All right. Um when we were brainstorming this podcast, uh, one of the names that we came up with, that you came up with, was you won't believe this shit or you can't believe can't this believe shit. Can't believe this shit. Can't believe this shit. No, can't make this shit up. Can't make this shit up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> can't make this shit up. So uh, instead of naming it, can't make this shit up, that's now a segment. Yeah. All right? Yeah. <laughs> so can't make this shit up moment for Kelly Dubois in your six years of being a real estate agent. What's your best can't make this shit up moment? I think my favorite was a lady that had called me and she was all ready to buy a house. She said, all right, I need to buy a house. I'm tired of renting. And she had said, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I want to do this like for me and my kids. She was great. Like right off the bat talking to her, I was like, I want to help her buy a house. Right. So like, all right, well, the first thing we're going to have to do is let's connect with a lender. Let's kind of figure out where you're, where you're at. And yeah. she's like, oh, okay. Now, I didn't think of explaining what a lender was. Uh-huh. I just said, we're going to, we're going to have you talk to a lender so that we can figure out your price point, where you want to be. And she's like, all right, perfect. Great. So I sent her to a lender that I work with. And, um, this lender had talked to her and said something to her about, you know, what her price point was. And so she had told the lender, I don't need a loan. I have the money. And then, so the lender calls me and says, she doesn't need lending. She said she had the money, the mm-hmm. cash. And I'm like, let me call her back. I'll see. So I called this lady back and I said, well, the lender said that you don't need to borrow any money. And she said, no. And I said, okay, well, then you don't need a lender. A lender's, you know, you need to borrow. I said, well, then we just need to get a proof of funds from your bank. That's your statement showing that you have, you know, however much money in your bank to cover the price of the house. She's like, well, I don't have the money in the bank. And I'm like, <laughs> but the house you're looking at is $280,000. And she said, yeah. And I said, and you have $280,000. And she said, yes. And I said, <laughs> but it's not in the bank. And she said, no. And I said, where are we going to find the money then? I was so scared asking this right. question. And she said, 
it's in my freezer. And <laughs> I'm like, you have $280,000 in your freezer. And I will say she gave me the most sensible reasoning why. She's like, yes, because if my freezer burn, if my house burns down, my freezer ain't going to burn. So my money's oh going to stay gosh. safe. Wow. <laughs> and I just remember thinking to myself, damn, she's got, first of all, she got $280,000 in her freezer. I did continue. I could not let this conversation go. Yeah. I was just so engrossed with it. It was in an old ice cream carton. So imagine going and getting a, a scoop of ice cream, thinking you're getting something <laughs> mint ice cream or something, some chocolate chip mint ice cream or something. And you pull it out two hundred and ninety thousand, eighty thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Did you get paid with that ice cream pint? So here's the deal. She couldn't buy a house. What? She had so here, this is this is very, very true. And it's a big issue. You have to the federal government needs to know where the money comes from. Anything over really? it, it used to be six thousand dollars. I think now it's four thousand dollars. Huh. She had two hundred and she had a lot, she had like three hundred thousand dollars literally just in her in her freezer. In her freezer. She could not buy a house. She can't buy many things because where is that money coming from? Where did it come from? Now if she put three hundred thousand dollars into the bank, the government's gonna want to know where that came from. Well I don't want to assume, but if that money came from illegal yeah. things, she she's going to now have to say that, or you're going to have to figure out where it came from, from every person. If I deposit, if you were buying a house today and you had financing, right? Yeah. And they need your bank account statements. The lender needs your bank account statements. Mm -hmm. And they see a deposit of $6,000 cash. They're going to say, hey, Jason, you made a deposit last week, $6,000 cash. Where'd it come from? Well, if you said, oh, it came from my brother, I borrowed the money from my brother, my brother gave it back, they're now going to ask for your brother's bank statement to show that he withdrew $6,000. Yeah. And it's all going to have to match. If you can't track that money, yeah, it's no, an issue. It is. I've been through that probe a couple of times. It's an issue. Yeah. So if, if you are doing illegal activities, start depositing it, maybe a couple hundred at a time. <laughs> but- once you let it grow so high, you're kind of screwed. I yeah. mean, really. And how frustrating is that? <laughs> what a takeaway from this what episode. What a takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is definitely a can't make this shit up. Moment. No. It's in a freezer. <laughs> wow. Uh, have you kept in touch with her? Is she? Does she have a house? Just for fun. Uh -huh. um, we, we stayed in contact for a while. Um, she was not. After that, she was like, I'll rent. We good. Oh. I'm not going to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She wasn't going to. Put, draw any attention to herself. That is wild. Mm -hmm. um, well, Kelly, great story. <laughs> great advice for real estate agents of all levels today. Um, tell us more about the podcast. What What's the, the vision for it? I think the vision for it is kind is to kind of keep people up to date with the current real estate market, which seems to kind of be a real roller coaster. Um, it is definitely, you said, an insane market. You know, it, it's mind-boggling to see mm -hmm. how much it's changed and how much it keeps changing. Um, and to kind of help navigate people who are interested in real estate and investments, um, whether 
they want a career in it or they just want to learn more about it because they're curious. Um, not so much like your, you know, your real estate school or your seminar style information, but more conversation about things that situations that do happen or little t- um, hints and tidbits of what what's happening or what might be helpful with it. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. No, I, I can't wait. I mean, the, the two interviews so far have been amazing, great content there. And just from this conversation, it's like, oh, we've got so many ideas for other episodes. And you know, yes, keeping track of the market, but helping other real estate agents out and making sure that they're building their book of business and their brand and, and all that stuff. And I can see why you're the person to to help out with that. So if um if somebody's listening to this, somebody's watching this, how can they get in touch with you for, you know, if they're interested in real estate, if they need some coaching, if they're interested in your speaking, like how can they get in touch with you? So you can reach out to me on social media. I am House Hunt with Kelly. It's K-E-L-L-E-Y for Facebook, Instagram. Um, For LinkedIn, it's Kelly Dubois, K-E-L-L-E-Y-D-U-B-O-I-S. And Adcock Realty is our website. So adcockrealty.com. Google. I'm on Google. I don't think there's anything shady about me on Google. There's not. Thanks. All right. So we're in the shade. We're in the, we're cool. Yeah. Um, So yeah. Yeah. Just search. (laughs) It it shouldn't be a hard search. No, 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 it's not. Uh, Well, thank you so much. I'm honored that you let me host uh, the first episode of of the On the Real Estate podcast here. And I can't wait for, for more episodes. Thank you. I'm excited. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thanks everyone for listening to our episode of On the Real Estate Podcast brought to you by Adcock Real Estate Services. Be sure to rate us, review us, and press the follow button or share on your own networks. If you do have any questions for me, please feel free to comment or shoot me a message and we will do a podcast addressing all of your questions and do a Q&A style. Of course, if you are looking For a residential home or commercial property in this current market, Adcock would love to work with you. So please reach out to us. This episode was edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Kelly Dubois, and I look forward to hanging out with you guys on our next podcast of On the Real Estate with Kelly.